Alrighty. So we've determined that we start this thing off by saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you might be listening. And good night. <sighs> We're not getting into this again. Wait a second. You forgot to introduce the podcast. <laughs> and like I'm everything. getting there. But first, I'm going to say hello. <laughs> oh, we start with, this don't is, we? We, we always start not, with welcome to. This is not your night. This is my night. We Anyways, for those of you who are joining us on episode 14 and randomly clicked and didn't see what you clicked, so you have no idea what you're listening to, this is Guardians of War. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like I said, this is episode 14. We're recording it on March 9th, 2019. And I am... Your host for the evening. So, yeah, you get to listen to more of this. And I'm Mrs. Hyven. I am Elemist. And this is Hyven. And tonight, <laughs> we're starting part one of our month-long series, Marasena. You guys, Some this will be the longest. Sorry. Look, In the words of Orchid, or as she's called on Twitter... Kitia, woot woot, because this is her favorite book. So this one goes out to you, Kitia. You didn't see me, but I just like did like a little Holmes chest tap peace sign kind of thing. Did you see? We, we should just start over. <laughs> this is a great entry. Oh no, this is awesome. I I'm nailed leaving that. all this in. <laughs> this isn't even bloopers. This is legit. This is Anywho, something. <clears throat> I like to point oh, out. To everyone, this is the longest arc that we have done thus far. We did ghost stories in three parts, but we are going to be covering the Marasena in four parts because that is how deeply we want to dive into this lore book. Um, we're all very excited about it. Also really uh, long. Well, that too. But again, if you know us at all, you know we ramble. So we wanted to give ourselves ample time to ramble about this awesome book. Um, sorry, I hit my head on something earlier, so I might be mildly concussed, but it should make for a fun podcast, you guys. Completely. <laughs> Let's see. So now we're going to go on into podcast news here. So not only do we have our huge, I have a new bullet point tonight, you guys, but we're going to get to that. Starting with our huge, we encourage feedback. Um, you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, email us guardians underscore lore at outlook.com, or as always, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast that allows reviews. For those of you who have already done that, we thank you so much. We really appreciate the reviews, especially the ones that have comments that let us know that you guys like what we're doing. It's really exciting to just get on there and be like, oh my gosh, we have another one. Just yesterday, we got one. I screenshot it, sent it in our group message. It was so far, they've all been good. I'm, I'm waiting for like the honesty. <laughs> or right. like this is, or this is really awesome and we're doing well. So Yeah. I also really appreciate how everyone's like, I love to listen to it at work because that's exactly what I do. <laughs> me too yeah mm -hmm. all right so for our new bullet point because we like never have new bullet points on here and i know what you're thinking are we about to talk about our intro and outro music no because we still didn't do that you guys sorry anywho 
We got do six. It, I promise. <laughs> we got six new lore books. And we didn't put this in our stuff you may have missed on Destiny uh, section because we really feel like this is more podcast news, especially because we're going to be covering this new content after our four months, or God, not four months, four <laughs> weeks. Uh, August book, yeah. <laughs> right? Focused on Mara Senna here. Uh, so we'll be getting into that new content. Uh, you know, starting in April. Uh, so I we're like really excited. Said six new lore books. You literally didn't like excitedly say that. You just read it with the exclamation mark that's typed. Six new lore books. Hey, I read it how it's typed, man. <laughs> Especially right now. It was priceless. Like, I love it. You guys don't understand. This is a very weird podcast for me. I'm like, the room is completely dark. Dog is not in the room. I even had to come in and dim my my computer. It's she may it's something. Oh my! Yeah. I'd like to point out that Elm has just added some exclamation points, so I'll read something else pretty excitedly. <laughs> so, does anybody else have any comments on our six new lore books before I move on? Their names? Should we yeah. get those? Up? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. We obviously don't want to give too much about it um, out right now, just because we don't want to spoil anything good for anybody. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 give the names, uh, and that should be about it. Who's got those looked up? Because I certainly don't. Well, I've got them right here. Mary's an eldest. Like, a lot Take of them are, A lot of them are pretty cryptic, like you know, mm-hmm. dust, ecdysis, the warlock honor, stolen intelligence. But then you got ones that are like easily guessed. For every rose, a thorn. And the man with no name. Solid. Those are our six new ones, you guys. I'm excited about dust. Part of our pot. I say one of the reasons that, you know, obviously that goes into podcast news is uh, if anyone has a preference for which book we cover first, please let us know. Yeah. You've got four weeks to put in your thoughts and input on that. Um, You can, you know, private message us, email us, whatever. Um, But let us know if nobody speaks up we're going to pick. Uh, but for Nobody real, speaks up. We're probably going to do every rose a thorn. <laughs> Looks like that's the one we're leaning to yeah. first. But if there's something else, or if you guys agree with that, let us know. Um, again, we love sitting here talking with one another, but this podcast is for you guys too, and we want to make sure that we focus on what you guys are interested in. Uh, so let's see. And, Moving uh, on, we got... Oh, I, I, I'd actually like to note, like, I watched that that email like a hawk. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, Stay on was, Twitter. I'm like, do I have any new, nothing, anything new, anything new? Well, so like it, it was funny because I, I noticed that there was actually one new email this last week. And I was like all excited was it from at Microsoft? work. <laughs> it was from Microsoft. <laughs> like I jumped at my phone and my coworker looked at me like, everything all right? <laughs> And then I just instantly looked depressed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. good. It's <laughs> like I, I check Apple podcast reviews just probably business. every other day. And I know exactly how many ratings we have. So I know when like a rating goes up, like to look for it. Um, not like we're a big deal. That makes it sound like we have a lot. We're up to eight. <laughs> four with comments, though. So to you four, I appreciate you. Yeah. And just a uh, heads up, we love all the reviews. But if you do don't mind. Uh, take the extra like 30 seconds to a minute write us a little comment because that's like not only makes our day but it 
don't know. It kind of helps me know what we what you like. I yeah. think that applies for everyone. I think, you know, early on we thought maybe we should try something else or take it in a different direction. But I think right after we had that conversation, we got a review where somebody was like, I really love, you know, X, Y, and Z and how you do this. And basically just the fact that we read the books and then explain them. We're not just kind of like talking about the books. Um, that person particularly enjoyed the fact that it was read as well. That way he wasn't like having to read it and then figure out what we were talking about. So like that kind of helped us realize like, oh, let's stay on this track of, of always reading them. Um, but yeah, so it really, really does help us, even though we've we've only got four comments. They have helped. <laughs> even our very first one that just said, I like it. Keep going. <laughs> Whoever but, that uh, is, you are the best. Our first comment. You are what you are what drove us to success. <laughs> or at least to continue our fumbles. Either or. Um, you call right. them fumbles. I call them unglorified success. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to call them gracious fumbles. Like when you graciously fall, you know? Yeah. All righty. So. Falling with style. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. I've been trying to move into stuff you may have missed in Destiny. I'm sure you guys have heard me start that like five times in the last five minutes. So I'm going to read it because I've got one bullet point with three exclamations. So <laughs> stuff you may have missed in Destiny. Season of the Drifter. I read it like it's written. Anywho, if you've missed it, you clearly haven't been playing. Um, I didn't even play this week and I haven't missed it. So come on, guys. Don't miss it. <laughs> play it. And that's a little different than our last season. About it. <laughs> There's, I appreciated that they didn't make a separate DLC name. That the season was just simple. One season for all content. Not like last season where we had the season drop. And then a week later our DLC. Or not even our DLC. Our season pass content. So they have streamlined it. It's just one nice and, and, title. And like... That in itself totally threw me off. Yeah. Oh, I saw. I saw you change your uh, <laughs> what was typed because they had a name for it, and then they just dropped it. Yeah. They like they they had a, the name Joker's Wild for you know the the working title for the season, but then it was like, oh yeah, it, it's just a working title for the actual content, but it's just going to be Season of the Drifter. So like. All throughout the, the show notes, I had, you know, Season of Joker's the Drifter Wild. and Joker's Wild. So, like, I'm going to have to go back through the next, like, three weeks of uh, show notes and fix that up. <laughs> <laughs> they simplified it for some of us, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, for some of us who already did our work, they just made it harder. Yeah. All right. Um, well... I guess we can go ahead and move into our topic here. So, like I said, we are going over the Marasena lore books. Uh, so, the Marasena is the origin story of the Awoken, and it is told from Mara's point of view. And those are all the notes I have, people. So, let's get into if you, the books. You couldn't tell <laughs> that the fact that it's called the Marasena, and it's yep. written by Mara Sov. So, remember... Victors write the history. So just be mindful as we read these that uh, a lot of this stuff is quite possibly from Mara's point of view. 
at least the first entry for a couple of the entries for sure but yeah so once again there's always a little bias keep that in mind as we read that's a good point and with that, i've been working on trying to read everything as unbiased as possible which is kind of impossible so at least acknowledge <laughs> what my bias personally is um and then go in i was listening to focused fire chat when they talked about that the other day and i i always appreciate their discussion about like bias and stuff in lore because i think about that quite often because there's so many charged like thoughts about topics so this one for sure could have a lot of uh emotional connection so yeah keep it in mind absolutely Mm -hmm. view mara how you want to but this is the history as best we can tell don't worry guys that's why i'm here i'll give it to you how i see it well and like my main is a human titan but she is still my queen (laughs) oh i I like mara too but i don't trust her all the time I don't, I don't think, think I've ever seen normal Mara. I think I've only ever seen Aldrin's like crazy picture. You've never Mara seen her. It in- turned out to be Mara? the weird creature. She looks like that, just less smiley and creepy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. She usually well, doesn't anyhow, smile. I have not interacted with the real Mara within the game. Um, again, guys, don't tell them to kick me out of this podcast. <laughs> you know who has it. Okay, they don't game, say, you know who has interacted Mara. with Mara? Well, everyone, but Lord Shax. Oh, right. My man right there. On a, on a deep, intimate level. Lord um, Shax. Good old um, Shax. But anywho, yeah, so that's what I'm here for, you guys. Um, although, as we continue doing this, I have developed more bias towards certain things, like me and the Traveler are not on good terms, but whatever. <laughs> But no, thus far, I don't really have any opinions on Mara, so I hope to give you guys that unbiased opinion. That's no, that's really good. Because surprisingly, uh, some people view her as a, a villain. I view her as more of a, an anti-hero, but not even quite that. I think. But uh, apparently a lot of people hate Mara. They think she's like manipulative and evil. Um, but I think she's a really awesome character. Um, and you see how she progresses. And how, like, witting and cunning, but, like, not, like, in a vicious way, I would say. So, she's she's really cool, and this book is really going to, uh, if you have an appreciation for Mara already, I think it'll reinforce that. And if you don't, well, maybe you'll see why Mara is maybe the way she is now. Because she's, she's been through a lot. And even though she looks really young, she's really freaking old. So, she's got a lot of life behind her. Yep. Uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into our books we're gonna read uh six each parts uh which means that we'll be reading two a piece and our first one is elemis book yep and this entry is called archiloquy secrets do you come in hope O reader for the secrets of my reign a parable in the nitrate earth of the lightning crater where the firmament has joined in electric fury with the fundament. There lives a burrowing insect with two trembling antennae, thin as whiskers, long as life. A grasping hand reaches for the buried secrets, finds the antenna, and pulls. Comes away with a single whisker, meaningless. The searcher disappointed, 
a wounded insect buried deeper, the secret now half-blind. That which digs for truth may bury deeper lies. If you recognize my authority, then I command you to pass onward as gently as the lover passes a razor over beloved skin. If you do not, then I name you Magiset, doubter of royalty, and I suggest you watch your edge. Cut too deep and too quick, and you will kill the thing you want to know. Think too eagerly, and as the digging hand leaves its print in soft earth, so you will find only the image left by your own presumptions. Beware the one who feeds on truth adjacent lies. Beware the space between reality as imagined and reality as is, for it is abundant to those with appetite. So then, the brave voyager's fate, the timeless birthing place, my Milton reenactment, the ruins made ours, the riven twice riven, the daughter's blood scabbed hard on mother's wound, all things told, all truth revealed, if through mist and mystery, if you have grace, then see our sorrows, but swallow back your tears, we were made to pay this price. I led us to our fate. Seek me in my place. Hear these whispers from the lips of Queen Egged God. So, Mara has given us a great crystal clear explanation of the books, right? No, of course not. Mara talks in riddles, if you haven't noticed that before. Um, so, this is... Some areas, I would say, to me personally, don't get as much from. Uh, but what I get from the very beginning is she helps us to appreciate that when you're looking for truth, when you go in too quick and grab, you come off with a little piece. And as compared to that worm, that worm digs deeper, and those that truth is buried deeper in the lies. So, And then she gives a warning to those who do not recognize her authority. That if they dig too deep, cut too quick, you're too eager, you're not going to come out with much. So, uh, And then I really, really like that she then ends, she helps to appreciate that if you have grace, swallow back your tears. Because as we're going to see, parts of these stories are not the happiness. Uh, but she acknowledges, she said, we were made to pay this price. I led us to our fate. I find it very interesting that Mara acknowledges that what they became was to pay a certain price and that she believes that their fate may possibly have been a, may be justified. So <clears throat> it's a very interesting topic. This just introduction is kind of to whet your appetite for what's to come. Uh, but as she said, this is basically the history of her people. The thing that got me is her ego. Like, she just called herself the queen-egged god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> she's she is the queen, and she is. I, guess I can't say that because that's going to be a bombshell later. But yeah, she's important in the Awoken. Yeah, she has 
made the Awoken what they are. So I, you know, that is, they really have a thing with eggs though, man. The eggs as keys, all the eggs we shoot in the Dreaming City. Although to be fair, the Dreaming City eggs aren't exactly because of the Awoken. I'm just saying, there's a lot of eggs, man. You know what? Yeah. There's new golden eggs that you can collect in uh, The Reckoning. (laughs) And those are linked to the Nine. Man. And we'll get into... uh, Well, I don't want to ruin that, but there's also a little snippet in here that kind of links to the Nine later on. Maybe. Probably not. It's just... Makes me think about it. So you think. Like, at this point, we haven't really dived into that lore book. So it... It's all speculation. Yes, I'm just excited about this whole thing. Yeah, I I have read I have read all this, so I'm gonna try to temper my excitement. But the second we started reading this, I got a little excited. One of my favorites. Mrs. Hyven, you have anything to add to this? Um, I think I'm going to really enjoy these. Um, she definitely talks. With the way she talks, you know, I, I enjoy her illustration and word pictures and everything. Um, when she discusses, you know, the the lover passes a razor over beloved skin or cut too deep, it kind of reminded me of, you know, like a surgeon and a butcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I definitely enjoy that. Um, I also like where she talks about beware the space between reality as imagined and reality as is. Um, cause we that's, yeah, yeah. Cause that's very true. Um, and oh. yeah, that's kind of what it made me think of too, as well as like the, the bias. Yeah. I like your analogy too about the, the butcher and the surgeon. Um, but that just makes me think of how she says, even if you acknowledge her authority to pass over this, made me think gently, like a razor over skin is very gentle. Um, almost tells me like it almost is like don't dig too deep into this this is kind of like an overview and like how i do understand things like when the ghost says uh speak plainly because sometimes you just want answers and it gets frustrating but i always kind of have appreciated how mara is not black and white that she literally the awoken as a people run that line between the light and the dark so finely and it, it it just allows for a lot of uh a lot of thinking on our part um, and kind of digesting this information and digging down into it. So I really like that even she gives us a, a warning not to get maybe too involved in some points and to be so biased about certain aspects. Yeah. But at this point, I guess I will move into our next reading. How's that sound? Everyone's ready? Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. And this is when we get into the story. So that was our introduction. <clears throat> our next card. Um, so these entries are actually broke up into sections. They're usually multi-parts. So this next one is Brefos 1. The woman sits on a ledge that overhangs infinity. She looks down and kicks her legs. The stars shine brilliant here. Because the sun is only fractionally brighter than the rest of them. Soul lies almost perfectly below her. Of course, up and down are defined only by the thrust axis of Yang Liwei. Upward, 
the black umbrella of the shield and the matter storage and the docked ships, which make Yang Liwei not just a mothership, but an entire traveling fleet. Down below, along the slim spine of the ship, the shielded bulb of the engine glows invisibly infrared. If she slips off this ledge, she will fall down the ship's length at one-third of an Earth gravity. Not because there is anything pulling her, but because the ship is pulling away. Yang Liwei is accelerating, slowly but inexorably, toward the stars. She is of no single race or ancestry, and the light on her skin is the color of starlight. She drifts with her suit tinted clear so she can soak it up. She was 19 years and 9 months old at the moment the ship began its transstellar injection burn. Although, this is true only if you count by the calendar of a planet she has barely visited but will always love. She thinks you cannot help but love Earth if you grew up in space. You love Earth the way all adolescents secretly adore two-century-old video of Nai Nai and Yi Yi dancing on New Year's Eve. Earth does not ask too much. The colonies are demanding parents, but Earth is like a chill old Grand Am, simmering in weird art and weirder ideas, enthroned with ecology older than human time. Earth was the first terraformed world. Life made Earth livable. She is going with Yang Liwei and the rest of Project Amrita to make new worlds. She came because she saw an omen in a man's death. She was on an EVA with him, repairing a jammed radiator fin on an uncrewed circumjovian platform. They worked in companionable silence, listening to the howl of the Jovian magnetosphere when it happened. A frozen rabbit embryo came out of deep space at 40 kilometers per second and went through his faceplate. The rabbit must have been spilled into a biocontainer accident far from the sun to plunge back inward like a comet. Immediately after, for reasons very clear to her because she has always had a sense of the meaning of things, reasons very difficult to explain to others, because she has always felt this sense was secret, she asked her mother if the family could travel with Project Amrita. Amrita, the drink that eateth drinking, the bottomless cup. It is the quest to spread far beyond the solar system and to end human dependence on the traveler. It calls to those who see humanity as a cocoon, an instar, a form ready to be shed. She is an alterge third class, a self-motivating subsystem of the ship's inclusive ecology, a term that spans technology, biology, and behavior, all of which must be maintained for the mission to succeed. Her task is to locate problems and report them to alter second class, who will give her the tools she needs to repair them. But she never speaks to her second. She never tells anyone about the problems she finds. Instead, she fixes them herself. Her work has therefore assumed a magical quality. She appears where there is trouble, and shortly afterward, the trouble goes away. People have begun to leave gifts for her. Some of these gifts are questions. She answers the questions with a quiet confidence some would argue she has not earned. 
She knows she sees more of their lives than they see of hers. And that, this mystery, this seen without being seen, grants her a kind of power that is like wisdom. She lives outside the ship, suited and cocooned in a layer of cytogel, which keeps her surgically clean. She misses the wild, zero-gravity fashions of her upbringing, clothes like drifting jellyfish that squirm away from snags, self-correcting darts in the fabric, silk like cool, spilled alcohol. She misses the sense of oil and sweat on her skin, for the suit leaves her so clean that she feels skinned raw. Still, she stays out here because she wants to feel the changing taste of starlight as the universe ahead blue shifts. As Ying, Yang Liwei accelerates toward light speed, it moves faster and faster into the light coming from ahead. If light were like dust, it would strike Yang faster. But light can never change speed, so it gains energy instead. Red light is low energy, and blue-violet light is high energy, so the universe becomes blue. Even now, the very tip of the visual spectrum, violet-blue light is shifting up into the invisible ultraviolet, the color of speed, the color of future. So that was a long card. Yes, these are all pretty long. Yeah. But thanks to the power of editing, I read it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, Not even with editing, I still... <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, just... I don't know. It was so long, there's kind of just like a lot to absorb there. And of course, what I'm fixing, fixating on is the wild zero gravity fashions of her upbringing that's what i thought i hadn't noticed that before i'm like oh the self-correcting darts and fabric is kind of awesome like you know who'd appreciate this eve levante exactly (laughs) i'm telling you you guys don't understand self-correcting darts like uh, obviously maybe i'm i'm reading it wrong but from my understanding of what i do with darts and sewing is basically it's kind of how say isn't it kind of pulled fabric together yeah basically it's like you know say my chest is a little smaller than like below and I want to kind of open it out just a hair I could tighten it with like a dart up front and then it would kind of peer out or you could do the same thing around like you could do that on the back um or if your your front if you're a little more chesty, you can actually use that to accommodate for the extra chest up front and keep the back tighter. Um, so the fact that, like, I don't, what does that mean? Like, I just, I just put on a dress and it just like darts where it needs to and just boom. Well, for that topic, I just will kind of note it. Well, it mentions she talks about how you know clothes kind of just shifting in zero gravity. I kind of just imagine like clothes that don't just like float off you but they actually like still fit you nicely kind of thing so yeah kind of like it uh it self-adjusts as it shifts which kind of crazy sounds freaking awesome well and like it, it talks about how she's suited and cocooned so like it makes me think that 
like a tight space suit as opposed yeah. to like well, a flowing Well, that's dress. what she was. That's what she was too. It says that she misses the wild zero G fashions of her upbringing. But yeah, she does say that yeah. clothes drift away from snags. She has self-correcting darts. So yeah, I do imagine there's some type of smart clothing for like space. That sounds cool. Anyways, there's a lot yeah, in that card, and, and that's Elena not necessarily what needs to be focused practically. on. No, yeah, that's not what I focused on. But actually, it was this time because I never really noticed that before. But this time, I kind of dwelled on it because I was used to the story. Yeah, it was just kind of cool. Um, and then let's see. Well, what do you think about what's happening? We have a ship, we have an individual, we have her reasons for going, and we have the project of what's the goal of the mission is. Yeah. Um, Those are kind of the parts I picked up out of this. Well, what I picked up was, <laughs> like I said, I don't know a ton about Mara, but I do know a little bit. And one thing I know is that she kind of has like visions of the future, if I'm correct. Um, and let's see, where is it? When it says that she's working, where is it? She came, but she, because she saw an omen of a man's death. Yeah. So I'm assuming that was one of those visions. So if I'm correct, this is our first mention in the book of that. Um, I, I don't know. That's more of, I would say, well, I don't know if you know. She's not an Awoken at this point. You know that. So that was my question, too. Is it the starlight that turns them their color? We'll get to this. Currently, she is a a human on a human ship that has left Earth with the goal of terraforming and colonizing other planets. So as we see from this, she did not live on Earth. She had visited for a short time. She grew up in space on a ship, practically. Maybe not this ship, but in the space colonies, you can imagine. I'm sure uh, anyone who's used to sci-fi is used to, you know, a space colony as the world, you know, as the universe is expanding. And she was part of one of the missions, uh, Project Amrita, that was to expand life to other worlds and to leave the Traveler. You know, we talked about last week Black Army, how there's were, there were some who thought that they should not be so reliant on the Traveler. So this may have been a similar mission. Um, we have the different Exodus ships in-game that traveled off to terraform other planets, taking things like SIVA and certain powers. So yep. they were on a colonizing ship, and she convinced her family to go on this, as you said, after what she viewed as an omen which, if we could comment on, was a frozen rabbit embryo flying through space, killing a man. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Like, what? Uh, she said it probably uh, spilled from a biocontainer accident. I'm like, how does she know it was a frozen rabbit embryo? I'm sure they investigated the man's death. Yeah. So you're saying this wasn't a vision. She saw this happen. Oh, no, this actually happened. From she, that, she needed to go. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so, it, like it says, she saw an omen in a man's death. Yes. So it says the death happened, ahead. and she was like, oh, I'm drawing this conclusion from it. 
So what do you get out of a rabbit embryo flying through space at 40 kilometers per second and killing someone? I don't know, but she even admits that immediately after, for reasons very clear to her, because she's always had a sense of the meaning of things, but reasons very difficult to explain to others, because she has always felt this sense was secret, she convinced her family, basically. But I do like that you pointed out that even when she was a human, she still had this like feeling of you know reasons to do things. Whether or not they were true or right, um, you can make those, you can infer that yourself. But yeah. Yeah. So does that change maybe your viewpoint now that you kind of know a little bit more of what's happening? Yeah, I, this is going to be really weird because you only know Mara as Queen of the Awoken. We're starting as a Mara, 19, 20-year-old uh, girl who likes to live outside of the hull of a spaceship as it travels into space. Um, it definitely speaks <laughs> my interest is for us to continue. Um reading on yeah um and she's really really handy i think of her as like that engineer who can fix anything quirky engineer like yuki exactly right yeah i mean she likes to live out on the hall because she just likes to see the starlight and that's cool i love how they explain the difference between redshift and blue shift and how the fact that they're moving faster they get to see this blue light that i kind of just like that as a someone who loves astronomy and it's all right. So in one of the early paragraphs that you were reading, um, there was a, a word called grandum. I looked it up, and it's literally, the definition is a grandmother or an old woman. Okay. So think grandma, but like the <laughs> M&A. So that shows a... That shows a yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, when I first read that, I was like, is that a typo? Grand Am is no. kind of like a well, but nope, I got it. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. She compares the colonies to demanding parents, but Earth is like a chill old grandma. Um. So yeah, that's her view of Earth. She actually really, really uh, thinks fondly of Earth, which others might think is odd because she doesn't show much interest for uh, Earth at this per- current moment in her life. But she did at one point. Yeah. Oh, I think that covers kind of what's going on. Um. All right, our next card is Brafos 2. Mara, the fighter shouts, delighted, and a punch shuts him concussively up. It's a real good hit. A thunderous uppercut to the point of the jaw. Mara hears his teeth grind across each other, down into lip flesh and shredding gum, shredded gums. She cringes in silent sympathy. He loses his grip on the equipment rack and tumbles out into zero gravity and a big arc of blood. <laughs> Sorry. That's a good visual picture. His opponent goes for the coup de grace, kicks off hard and catches him in the stomach like a human torpedo. They plunge together towards the kill zone painted on the floor. Aldwin grins messily at Mara over his opponent's shoulder. He's fighting a big, brutal woman from Gravity Ops. A woman who's had her myostatin genes knocked out so she can swell up into a giant plug of brawn. Aldwin doesn't have a chance. He took the fight for the same reason he wanted to join the Amrita expedition. 
He measures himself by the bravery of his losses. But what can he survive losing? He applies a blood choke. It's the right move, but it doesn't matter. The woman groans, grays out, goes limp, but Aldwin can't get out from beneath her sheer inertia before he hits the kill zone. The bell goes off. Aldwin groves as his rail-hard body forcibly decelerates his opponent's entire mass. Events have built up momentum, and he is just in the way. What did you lose? Mara asks him. He lies there pain- panting and grinning, shedding perfectly round spheres of blood. It's good to see you inside. What brought you? She and her fraternal twin never answer each other's questions directly. Mara is cool with this because she feels like words are a very bad system of encryption. And that if you really want to communicate with someone, you must develop your own special one-to-one crypto system. The ideal statement, Mara feels, would be indecipherable to anyone but the person it's spoken to. And even then, only if they know you are the one speaking. I got you some pictures, she says, pushing the big woman off him, eliciting a fuzzy, Oh, hi, Mara. Full sensorism captures. You can trade them for the parts I need. Anwen helps the big woman pull herself vertical, but his eyes are narrow on Mara. Not because he's sore at the idea of helping her. He's always liked bartering, bargaining, the hustle but because he knows what kind of black market wants these captures. How far off the hall did you take them? How far off? All the way off. They are in zero gravity because Yang Liwei shut off its engines for an inspection cycle. So while Aldwin got in prize fights, Mara kicked off Yang Liwei's forward shield and coasted 10 kilometers into pure void, tethered by only a thread-thin molecular line. She ordered her suit's cytogel to gather around her face. Then, only then, she overrode every sanity system in her soft suit and commanded it to retract into storage mode. The suit peeled away like rind, and she was drifting in hard vacuum. The void boiled the water off her skin. Her body swelled with unchecked pressure until her undersuit forced it to stop. Alarmed cytogel crawled down her throat, hissing emergency oxygen. Not enough. Her skin blued with cyanosis. She was bathed in the most profound emptiness. She recorded all of it at the neural level. The exquisite darkness. The sense of fatal independence from all things. There are those who will give anything to fill that void. You can't keep doing this, Alwyn complains, as the big woman stares at Mara in awe. Mom is going to die of worry. So there's quite a bit to unpack here. We see Mara and Alwyn's relationship, um, and it, it seems kind of dysfunctional to me. Like, they only really talk to each other when they want something. I don't know if I'd say dis well, I don't know if I'd say dysfunctional as much as uh 
And they have a, they do have a weird relationship, but I feel like they respect each other. They just have very different interests. You know, Mara seems to be very just yeah. kind of to herself. Um, she's more in, interested in in space, and it literally says, "What does it say?" His he measures himself by the bravery of his losses. He's like a risky, crazy, basically cage fighter. By what he can su- survive losing. Right, like... Yeah. And I think they have very different interests. Make them very different. But they're fraternal twins, so they have this bond, and they still respect each other at the same time. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing, like, she's taking pictures while tethered to the ship. But why but, do like, you sound like she's taking nudity pics? <laughs> no... She is basically retracting her suit and experiencing the vacuum of space. And she is recording it through basically an implant in her somehow. Her senses are capturing everything. And that's how she's getting these crazy pictures that nobody else would be able to get. Because nobody's crazy enough to float 10 kilometers out into space on a tether and retract their suit. Um, That word you read, cyanosis is defined as the bluish discoloration of the skin resulting from poor circulation or inadequate oxygenation of the blood. So she's basically floating in the vacuum of space. And how does it say? She's recording it through at the neural level. At the neural level, yeah. She's basically suffocating herself. Yeah. weird. A little weird. I mean, she puts the suit to her face to try to, you know, obviously she's not killing herself. She has all the, uh, basically her suit centralized to her face. All of the uh, um, cytogel. And that tries to force oxygen in her lungs. But she is able to right. experience basically, an, an, I don't know, I feel like it's it's a sort of high. Not maybe the oh, same yeah. sense of drugs, but it's she's getting it's some sort high. of yeah, she's getting something out of this. I also like that their mom's gonna worry because of her and not because of him getting into fights with like overly large women. Right. Well, but you you see that the person up. he's fighting is at least like, oh hi Mara. So like it's a it's an organized fight, you know, where she's straight up like, oh the ship's st- stopping for a little while. I'm just gonna float about you know ten kilometers out into space and. <laughs> Hope everything goes well. Nobody knows where I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Aldwin. Yes, and we are saying that right. It is Aldwin at this point. Is definitely uh, not like completely, you know, calm and just going about his business. But I also like how this ship is not like completely like stuck up and all about the mission. Like people are people are just kind of living life. Yeah, it it the, the, it's an interesting. This is the um, underworld of the ship, right? And like, like I'm stuck on on the whole pictures bit. Like my that that, that it just doesn't quite makes like it makes sense why people would want it, but why she's doing that to herself doesn't make sense to me i mean like i said it's from it's a kind of high yeah and you know i yeah different people 
like different highs, and some of us don't I quite understand. Because you know, she doesn't actually say pictures. She says full sensorium captures. So these are some type of recording of the senses. Um, so basically, right. she is providing a full sense capture of basically this. People can relive whatever is happening. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she's suffocating herself, but I would imagine there is some type of feel being out there in that void that makes you feel alive in some way. And that's why also it's sold on the black market. It's not on the up and up. This is a, I would be compared to some type of drug. You got a point there. Like hard drugs. So yeah, they're not for everyone. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we move on? Just that it, I'm glad that Elemis doesn't approve of hard drugs. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> nope. All right, so this next card is Brepos 3. I really don't care what risks you take, Mara's mother sighs. That's the deal we made, my little yellow star. Mom, Mara protests. My discarded tube of sealant, my sweet little fleck of paint. Osana likes to compare Mara to small pestilent items that drift near spacecraft, like crystals of frozen urine. As far as Mara can tell, Osana is the apex of a centuries-long project to create the ultimate embarrassing mom. She is also very blunt. Mara, even when you were little, you wanted me to treat you like an adult. So I have. But you remember what I told you, don't you? If you don't want to be my daughter, I can't watch over you like a mother would. I can't put you first like a mother would. I will always be your friend. But I have to make my own choices too. That doesn't mean you had to tell the captain. They walk shoulder to shoulder down the companionway to Captain Lee's wardrobe. Mara keeps trying to get a step ahead to lead, but Osana somehow matches her every time. Of course I did, Osana says. You started a cult, Mara. If I didn't say something to the captain, behavior would have had this conversation with you instead. Do you want that? I didn't do anything. People liked my captures. People left me presents, spare parts, tips. Then Oldwin got into it. You know how he is. Don't, Osana wheels on her. For shame, Mara. You know your brother will follow anywhere you lead. You know he's not capable of the same. Uh, her lips twitch. Imperial remove. You knew he'd brag about you living on the hull, and you let him do it. It is one thing to have a particular power over people, Mara but it is another to deny that you are using it. Mara thinks she can come up with a stinging retort, given a few more paces, but it's too late. The hatch to Captain Lee's wardrobe swings open. Mara is terrified of this place. This is where Captain Alice Lee, divine presence in Mara's life, interfaces with the officers who are the manifestations of her will. Since Mara wants to be Alice Lee someday, the wardrobe makes Mara feel like she is an usurper uh, princess scoping out her rival's court. 
Captain Lee offers them tea. Mara cannot imagine the ways in which she is butchering what must be an intricate and meaningful tea ceremony. Lee serves some very battered pre-traveler ceramic sloshing with hot green tea, then immediately adulterates her own cup with milk from the cow thing on the bio deck. Revolting, isn't it? She smiles at Mara's bewildered horror. You should have seen what I put in my tea when I was camping in Mongolia. I understand your colleague, who is also your mother, has some concerns about your relationship with the rest of the crew. My darling Mara, Osana says, has entirely, by accident, I'm sure, cultivated a reputation as a minor divinity. Her captures from outside the ship are hot items for barter. People draw fan art. There are tips left for her. You take captures while EVA, sometimes without a suit? Lee nods. Yes, I've played one. A remarkable sensation. This, is, this makes Mara grin impetuously. Mara, you are an auteurge, a volunteer. I cannot order you to stop, and your work is exemplary. Are you putting anyone else in danger with your art projects? No, Mara says. Just myself. False, Lee barks. That is a selfish answer. You are now a symbol to my crew, a house god. If you were to die, they would lose something important, something human, that they have created out of loneliness and void. It would be an unforgettable reminder of the hostile nothingness that surrounds us. When you endanger yourself, you endanger that symbol. You are part of this mission's behavioral armor, Mara. Mara is thunderstruck. She's never thought about it this way. All I did was take some captures. I didn't ask to be anyone's mascot. You presented yourself as a conduit to secret knowledge, Captain Lee counters. People made something out of you, Mara. Please, take this from a starship captain. What people make of you, what they create of you, even without your consent, becomes a kind of responsibility. If the Mara they see when they look at you is good for them, then you have some duty to be that Mara. She looks to Osana. What about your boy? He's in medical more often than any of the other underground fighters. It does not surprise Mara that Captain Lee knows about the fights. My son, Osana says, is determined to be his own worst enemy. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Of course. Lee studies them coolly. I keep an ear out for curious personalities. People who might be suited to long-term isolation while the rest of us are in cryo. People who awaken when others sleep. This is a very long card. There's a good, and I think there's a good bit to unpack. Um, we start out with the relationship with Mara and her mother. We see her mother is very embarrassing, comparing her to things like flecks of paint and tubes of crystallized urine. Um, but uh, yeah, and we get a sense of Mara here. 
uh, as being actually young. She talks about how her mom is now the apex of a centuries-long project to create the ultimate embarrassing mother. But we see that the relationship, her mother says, if you just want to be friends, I can't protect you like a mother would. Um, so we see a, like a softer side of Mara. She really cares for her mother. And her mom is just kind of a normal mom. She's kind of given her grief. <clears throat> and of course, she's looking out for her. By telling on her, she helps her to appreciate that she doesn't have a behavioral dragging her in by going in voluntarily. And um, then we have her going in to Captain Alice Lee's office. Um, and some of this stuff I like to think of is almost a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, some of the stuff where we see that Mara wants to be like Alice Lee someday, um, that she wants to kind of be just like her. Uh, some of the stuff that Lee helps her to appreciate, that she is a symbol, even though Mara didn't ask to be. The fact that she's doing these things, people are watching her, and they are creating her into something large. And, you know, things that happen to her reflect on the emotions of a whole crew. You know, this is a, a mission, a voyage, that's to take a long, long period of time. You see that, because at the very, very end, Alice Lee helps to appreciate that he's looking for somebody who could, or she, I mean, is looking for somebody who <clears throat> is able to be in isolation for long periods of time, because um, it sounds like a lot of the people need to go into cryo sleep, as we'll find out later, while, um, you know, someone obviously has to wake them up during this voyage. So there's a lot of little things in here, uh, but that's kind of just an overview uh, for me. I wanted to go back to Flex of Paint. Um, I thought that was a kind of a cool little uh, entry that they put in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just recently listened to a podcast, um, probably, I believe it was from Radiolab, uh, where they discuss how flecks of paint um, in, in space and things the size of flecks of paint can actually, like it says here, she's comparing her to pestilent items um, that can actually have quite an effect um, on a spacecraft. Uh, because uh, the the rate at which they're traveling can uh, can have, I think it said that it cracked like an outer layer of like a window or something on a spacecraft, like in real life. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool little ad that they put in there. Uh, that's really good. I I do remember listening to that now that I you say that, <laughs> but yeah, that's true. Little well, we saw a guy being murdered by a frozen rabbit. Um, so you can imagine things. <laughs> Frozen rabbit embryo. Yeah. yeah, an embryo. <laughs> yeah. Um. And again, one other thing I really appreciate from this card. Uh, when we first started reading it, and they were discussing the captain, my brain automatically went to a male. Um. Even when they said Captain Lee, again, male. Um. It wasn't until they obviously threw the Allison that I found and finally realized we were talking about a female captain. Um, and I like it because, again, you know, I talked in a previous podcast about how representation is key. Um, but then they kind of show that almost in this card. Uh, Mara has somebody to look up to because she has somebody she can see herself in, a female captain that she can look up to. And just again, I think it's a kind of a nod to the Destiny writers, just acknowledging that, you know, representation is key and giving girls especially little ones something to look up to and strive to that's something more than just being you know the size two with the perfect hair and the perfect makeup and and all that um so again i just really appreciate destiny's representation of women 
Absolutely. Okay. For sure. And this book really emphasizes that um, there's a lot of strong female characters um, from Mara to her mother is a really big one. We'll see Mara, uh, Mara or Osana plays a, like a very important role to Mara's life, uh, you know, forever. So like that's, I really appreciate. Yeah. yeah like you said, um, it's just, it's just really nice to see uh, Captain Lee is going to be throughout these books. So um, it's definitely like a, I, I like the viewpoint. It's, 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 it gives some variety and it's uh, refreshing. Yeah. And like the part that I find cool, like when we meet Mara and I mean, we've known her as a character for four, almost five years. And she's always been this strong, regal type. Um, but like here, we're actually seeing her as a kid looking up to somebody. So like it, it's, I'm interested to see the transition from, you know, wide-eyed little kid, you know, 19 years old to queen of the Awoken, you know? Yeah, and that's why it's like so nice that she has these um, these role models, you know, and her mother and Captain Lee that yeah. she looks up to, and we're gonna see how they affected her, and that's kind of why I see almost a little bit of foreshadowing, just because I've uh, read the books, um, just on how Mara kind of looks up to Alice Lee as being like a leader, and how um, she gains an appreciation for what symbols mean. Um, we see that symbolism is pretty important to Mara, um, the one we know. You know that she she understands that what a symbol can do uh, to rally the people. Um, well, and and that I think that boils from what Captain Lee just told her. I mean, exactly. Yeah, she's learning this. We right do now. see that it kind of stuck with her the entire her entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And then one other point, which is obviously uh, important to, to keep in mind, is we see that Osana reminds Mara that Aldrin, Aldwin, would do anything for her and that she's taking advantage of that. So we see that in the fact that yeah. Aldrin killed some of his own people uh, because he thought he was bringing his sister back later on in life. So um, we see that early on, you know, as fraternal twins, they have a close bond, uh, but she acknowledges a little bit that he will do anything for her, and she takes advantage of that a little bit. So we're going to see that throughout these whole book, books, entries, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to move on. What about you guys? I think I'm good to go. I'm ready to move on, too. All right. Our next card is going to be Cosmogire 1. Exodus green to unknown maneuvering object. Please squawk your transponder and ident. Over. Another silent quarter hour passes in flight. No response comes from the transient contact 12 and a half light minutes away. The ghost has stalked Yang Liwei for 18 hours now. Closing in each time it appears. And Captain Alice Lee is wary of it. Other colony missions vanished during their outward burns. Victims of mishap or hostility. And because of these disappearances, Project Amrita did not hurl itself fearless into the void. Rather, 
They came armed to the molars. Let's give them a fright, she decides. Cut the main engine. The ship's AI executes the command, but a crew person confirms and calls the order back. Mexico, aye, aye. Launch a distributed antenna. Heat up the targeting radar for a full fusion-powered snapshot. We'll take their picture and see what we see. Captain, the comm officer calls, I've got something weird here. It's our phantom saying hello? No. It's a neutrino tight beam from Solcent. They've declared a KRI white emergency. The whole solar system is now, now under war mind control. Tom dismisses her sensorium, goes to her hard controls, as if she thinks this might be some kind of virtual prank. We're being conscripted. Alice smashes these ideas together in her head like a child banging rocks. They are so preposterous, so stupid, that she can't even be, begin to manipulate them coherently. We are what? We've been commissioned as an auxiliary warship. We are ordered to, Tom swallows in disbelief, to kill our exit trajectory and assume a heliocentric orbit. That comes with explicit instructions to suicide burn our engines until they are destroyed. Rasputin will transmit targeting coordinates so we can use our kinetic weapons as long-range artillery. We'll be recovered after the crisis is concluded. Details. What kind of crisis? It's the sky shock event, ma'am. Uh, that's a hostile extrasolar arrival. Captain Lee clamps the mask of command authority over her face. Transmit a request for clarification. Belay the antenna, Captain? No. Scale it up. Add telescopes to the swarm. Get me a full system survey. I want to know what's going on back home. Alice Lee reaches out to call up a file, hesitates, and then selects the Project Amrita Charter. We have a decision to make. So, stuff's going down. It just got <laughs> real. Right? Um, first, before we get into the intense stuff, I kind of giggled when they said, rather they came armed to the molars, because uh, obviously we all know the expression is armed to the teeth. So, not just, just the front kinda, ones, but all the way yeah. to the molars. Like they're freaking armed, armed as hell. Right. Um. So yeah, and then again, obviously we see there's some kind of disaster going on. Um. Uh, obviously, we haven't gotten the exact details of it just yet. Oh, um, but we fact, do know. Okay. Well, I'm saying in the cards. But actually. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't want to... But this is not just me reading ahead. This is uh, related to lore we already know in the game. Just um, saying, in sorry, what I'll we're reading right here, right yes, now, yes. we don't know what's happening. Because, yeah, I, I know what's happening, too. But technically, <laughs> we don't know what's happening. Um, we only know what's happening because of the Black Armory papers. <laughs> right exactly. well no not just we've actually known from d1 what the sky shock event is and we oh, know yeah. that um Rasputin took over control that's where the rumors of him shooting down the traveler come from um but yeah so stuff's going down they don't know i'm just saying if we look at this from uh the 
Lang Yue ship's perspective. Yes, yes. It's intense. They're being told to do a lot of things that are not at all in accordance with their initial mission. Uh, And in like a very violent way. Like it's not even just like turn back and come home. It's like turn back and shoot everything in your way. Well, and and even then, like they're being told to suicide burn the engines until they are destroyed. Yeah, and not to mention then it's like, oh, and we'll come get you. Like we'll do, you know, the recon and like come get you once once it's all taken care of, you know? And I'm just like, but yeah, (laughs) you're not even telling me anything, and you want me to just like potentially sit out here in the abyss of space and die. Well, exactly. and, and we, we see that you had just mentioned that they're so armed, it's almost a problem. Because they're so armed, they're being used as a, uh, basically a sniper. Uh, you know, we see that it, it breaks down that this is another one of the Exodus ships. You know, we've seen in-game with Exodus Black, Exodus Blue. You know, we have Exodus Green here. Um, <clears throat> there have been failed missions, so they armed them. They probably figured they were armed for, you know, raiding parties. But, uh, you know, they may have been set for other things and then they we see that there's something in the distance something tracking them and before they can figure out what it is this yeah is right. when they've their got like second their own immediate issue happening right now exactly and so yeah. what it when they find out that the system is under war mind control uh our war mind anyone who's played destiny is familiar with rasputin he is the war mind um he, he's basically a smart ai i can take something from halo um, he can think for himself, <clears throat> makes his own decisions, and he assumes full control of bar- basically all military assets. And because their ship is considered a military asset with a large gun, you know that's why they're ordered to basically kill their engines to get to this to get into orbit as fast as they can, so that they can just be ready to fire on whatever Rasputin commands them to, like on a dot. Um, so it's, just, like, it's very point... vague instructions with a "we'll come get you after." But you know, my thinking is terrifying. My thinking would be, "What if you don't succeed and there's no one to come get me after?" Yeah, well, I mean, that's why it's so terrifying because you're being told that it's a sky shock event. They have a hostile extrasolar arrival. So, as we talked about the Black Armory papers. Um, I'd also oh, like to point out... The darkness is there. Go ahead. Um, I'd also like to point out that we saw from the earlier card uh, that clearly this ship's kind of a combination of what seems to be military and civilian uh, volunteers. So there's that, too. You know, obviously the captain um, probably is now going to be torn. Obviously she said we have a decision to make because now is it, do I worry about the lives on my ship, including the civilians that we've taken on, or do I follow orders and get in line like the captain I am? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's oh. true. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I didn't even really think about that. As a, They probably, it's still technically a military vessel. Um, yeah. And then also, they're told that they're going to get coordinates to possibly be firing their weapons. So at the same time, they might be thinking, you know, without our firepower, you know, we're, we're a powerful ship. We could aid in this fight, uh, but we're also possibly being attacked now you know we want to get out of this we're supposed to be expanding so not only are they trying to explore but they're also trying to decide who she can save more of 
And I like that she doesn't just like say, oh, forget Earth. No, she goes ahead and enhances the scan that they're going to do. She mm-hmm. wants to get as much information. She wants to know what's tracking them. She wants to know who's attacking Earth, that she can make a proper decision. So if that's not a pretty she awesome captain. She want to make captain, a blind call, which I really appreciate. Yeah, she's a pretty freaking awesome captain, I have to say. Yeah. Well, and, and especially when you stop and consider that, like, they're getting these these instructions from Rasputin. Rasputin's whole idea, you know, his, his whole goal is to save humanity. Not every yeah. bit of humanity, but humanity as a whole. And they might not so know like, exactly that. Sacrifice but yeah. the one for the many. Exactly. So, like, the instruction might have come from Rasputin to do all this. And he's, you know, it's willing to sacrifice that ship and exactly. all its crew. Exactly. Because also, like we just discussed, he's an AI. Um, While he does think for himself, he doesn't have that same emotion that Captain Lee is going to have to also put that into kind of, you know, where she weighs everything, which, you know, some could say is um, a liability um, on her part. But also some could say the fact that he doesn't have those emotions um, could also be a liability. So that's it's kind of like an interesting thought when you look at both of them. For sure, because we know that uh, uh, Rasputin, um, during this fight, when this all, when the Traveler finally gets found, um, uh, Rasputin fires all weapons to its, you know, that it has available, and you know is doing work. But basically, um, all these enemies realize that Rasputin is an issue, and try to take him out. And Rasputin, because he is commissioned to save humanity, uh, if, if you've played through, you know, especially D1. Uh, we have to we we have to reawaken Rasputin. That's because he goes into hiding and he shuts down his systems. He goes into hiding basically because the AI understands that in order to save humanity as a whole, it has to allow some people to die. So you, what you're saying is in fact what happens. Rasputin realizes that a full scale assault is just going to get him targeted. He backs away, and that's where the um, occurrences of Destiny 1 kind of begin. You know, uh, humanity has been pushed right to the brink, but now, uh, if you've played currently, Rasputin is woken back up, and he is starting to fight back. So, But for Project Amrita, they're, they're you know, not only um, having these orders, but they're also kind of so far away from the centralized Earth, I doubt that their, like, safety is being... Um, factored in with whatever Rasputin is factoring in. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys ready to move on? I'm okay. ready. <laughs> You're going to be left on a cliffhanger because this is I the know. last Actually, card that's we are about reading to preface for the episode. With. Yeah. <laughs> for this episode, this is our last card, um, Cosmogar 2. And yeah, I did, before we started this, I wanted to give everyone a heads up. It's our last one and there is a three. So we're going to have a cliffhanger this week. All right. Oh, yeah. I will be reading it. It says, Mara kicks off Yang Liwei's forward shield, aiming astern and inward, so she will cross the void to the ship's spine in a long, slow curve. Oh, come on, Aldwin says in delight as much as horror. You really do this all the time? All the time. Yang is a big ship, newer than the antique trucks used in the other Exodus missions. Project Amarita demanded the cutting edge of human science. It says that in the mission charter, 
which everyone's been rereading. The captain has called a vote. Should Yang Liwei turn home? What if the ship starts accelerating? Baldwin has already, of course, leapt after her. His envy yellow soft suit glows with gentle bioluminescence. We'd just fall forever. We'd fall into the stars. We're still on a solar escape trajectory. Yang would just outrun us. At least we'd still be going in the right direction. She doesn't think she's given anything away, but somehow he knows. Mara, he looks up frowning, his face bigger and brighter than the distant sun. You want to go back, don't you? You're going to vote to return. Mara thinks that if she had looked him in the eye, he would see the truth, the turmoil, the half-formed yes. Mara, you don't have to tell me how. He swallows the hitch in his voice. I've seen how bad it is. I've watched it long enough to know that it's not going to get better. They're gambling everything on the traveler. We came out here to get away from it, to step off the easy path. Why would we go back? Because I asked us to leave, Mara thinks. Because something came out of a deep space and killed the man next to me. And I saw the omen. And I said we should go. And now I feel like a coward. We might make a difference, she says. There are other ships. We'd be dead before we saved a single soul. He's right. She doesn't want him to be right. But he's right. And she cannot withdraw into some silent place where she is above this choice. They drift in silence until Yang Liwei's silver stem rushes up to meet them. Mara spins, uncoils, and lands in a crouch. Alwyn comes down on his hands and springs up grinning. But the smile dies when he sees her expression. Oh, Mara. She's silent. We left everything behind, he says. And it turns out we did that for a very good reason. We don't owe... We don't Oh, those people are deaths. We don't owe them our dreams. I know, she says. I know. The EVA guard channel pops into her sensorium. Everyone should get inside, Captain Lee calls. Our friend is closing in on us, and we need to maneuver. So, it looks like Captain Lee's hand is being forced at this point anyway. Um, what do you mean to because because the other ship is closing in yeah like that that's where that that my mind went with that last line yeah it does, there's no time for a vote anymore yeah but uh the card shows uh it's kind of a moral battle and it, aldrin is well, Old Wynn is taking one side and Mara's taking the other. And it we're seeing both sides of their argument at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also something we want to remember as we move forward reading the cards and we see what else goes on um as we move through this. Because clearly they both had a side that they picked. And had that vote happened, what would have changed? What could have changed? 
Um, sure. What potentially would have been different in this story? Um, and obviously now we're not going to have that vote and we're moving in one direction. But it's definitely something I think will be interesting to look back on to see what conflicts arise because of that. And there's a yeah. I, I got a, I got a lot from this, too, just because like there's so much like we, you were just saying things to can keep in mind for the future. Um, you know, we have little things like once again, the reminder of how Oldwin will do anything for her before he even complains about, well, what if the ship leaves as we're jumping off the hall? <laughs> He's already yeah. done it, you know, and um, yeah. for good reason, too, because the second they land on the other side, they're about to, you know, to leave. Um and then just Mara's outlook, we see, uh, oh, it wouldn't be so bad. The ship would carry on without us, but we'd still be going the right direction. <laughs> right. We get there. And then we get a little bit more information. I know that you had mentioned, Mrs. Hyven, uh, about that omen that you had almost thought of as a vision originally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we get a little bit more about, you know, she, she has this, this look. that she He can tell that she wants to go back. And, and the reason is which she realizes that the reason they're out there is because of her that she sees she read into a man dying beside her as i would assume something to the effect of um, this is a sign that we need to to move on we need to move out of here maybe it's dangerous and that's when she acknowledges that that thinking was cowardice and that she convinced her family to move on to a better place because they should should run away which Aldwin is trying to help her to appreciate was was correct, but she has that like great viewpoint that you know I guess that that moral trying to have that moral high ground that you know one ship could make a difference we could save some lives even though she knows and Aldwin helps her to appreciate that they would they wouldn't make it into the inner solar system in or you know they wouldn't make it that close to Earth if Earth is being attacked what is this one ship really going to yeah. do as it as it approaches from behind. Uh, but you keep in mind how much Mara cares about Earth, which is so absolutely, it seems so absolutely backwards as Compared Mara, Queen of the Awoken, <laughs> has, doesn't seem to have any interest in Earth. Um, Not just Earth, but humanity that's on Earth. Yeah. But this viewpoint is very strong throughout this vo- book. And it, it's, it's actually something we don't quite get an answer to, but some, it's, it's really weird to see her viewpoint now versus what she used to be, um, which is why I always have thought that Mara is not black and white. Um, maybe she, she doesn't hate Earth or humanity maybe as much as she lets on, uh, but you know she, as she says, she sees omens and things, and she looks deeper into stuff. But I think there's a lot in this card that's going to help us to appreciate kind of her view, how Aldwin views her, um, you know, and, and then also, of course, what is actually happening. Uh, we see that a friend that's been following them is about to be upon them. So you have to listen next week to see what they do. What? Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that's kind of my, I think that's actually a perfect place to stop. I was honestly worried about stopping uh, <laughs> mid-section because it's just, it was, but it was, it was uh, impossible to break these without some of them being really long and some of them being shorter. Um, but this is actually like a perfect break, I think. We like setting up for, you know, I think I think this is a perfect well, and, break. This is where the battles are starting to pick up. It's getting intense. Well, and like, I mean, the entire book is 24 entries. 
we're trying to figure out how to divide it up amongst four episodes without it being it. <laughs> way too long, without it ruining the actual book. Yeah. Yep, it was yep. tough. It is, <laughs> but I think you found a beautiful break there, Elmist. Of oh, course. Always. Elmist does an amazing My break. early shout-out of you doing such great um, <laughs> shout-outs. Aw, shucks. <laughs> You're my number one shout-out. Oh, yeah? Are we, are we, are we going to segue here, then? Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's really much else. I've never read one. Add. Read one. Oh, my God. All right. Well, yeah, I agree. I was going to I was going to laugh, place. but then I realized you messed up and that it wasn't as impressive. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but yes, I agree. I think this is the perfect place for us to stop. Um, we could obviously go into like <clears throat> rabbit hole upon rabbit hole about everything that could happen, might happen, will happen, would happen. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> we should stop before this becomes like two hours long. Um, cause we've done this before. Um, but anyways, yeah. yeah. So we're going to move. Oh, I just like clapped and I feel like that probably came through the mic really loud. Uh, <laughs> not really loud, but it was audible. Oh, all right. <laughs> Got picked up. Hey, um, we're an audio podcast, man. We need to know right. how you gesture. Right. Exactly. Um, it's like when you listen to those podcasts where they're like running through the forest and she's like, we're now running through the forest. We found the animals. We're watching them through the bushes. And like, they have got to like vocalize everything. <laughs> those are my favorite. Um, anyways, I'm sitting in a chair reading notes. So not the forest. Uh, we're going to move on to our shout outs and I get to go first. And my shout out this week, uh, because we said a couple weeks ago, we were going to shout them out. Or to our four fabulous people who have commented on Apple Podcast. So, uh, to Just Want Simons, Craiger Maka, Maka, how do you pronounce that? I apologize. Nicobolas, number 1120, and Cobra Kid18. Y'all are the best. Thank you for your comments. They really have assisted us as we move forward thank you for your ratings that's awesome we got our first one on december 5th of 2018 and our most recent one was last week on tuesday so again we appreciate you you guys are great uh but i also have a second shout out so what you guys don't know because i know elmas is going to edit this beautifully is we actually did this podcast over two nights because i got um a mild concussion at the beginning of the episode (laughs) Yes, which we mentioned the concussion. Um, But we had to actually stop after the first three books on Saturday night uh, because I kept falling asleep uh, from my concussion. And the computer was really hurting me. Um, I'm feeling much better now. I'd like to throw that out there. But I say this because I want to shout out my amazing podcast peoples. Um, Obviously, Hyven. I love him. I married him. I knew he was super. Um, but also to Elemist. He's just become such a great friend to both of us. Um, we really appreciate having you in our life um, and just kind of stumbling upon this really great friendship. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I feel the same. Um, you know, first shout out my awesome co-hosts because, like, you guys help give me something to look forward to over the weekend. It it helps me trudge through the week 
because I look forward to Saturday and at this point Sunday nights. <laughs> um, and yeah, we live in a really like work heavy area because uh, we all do live pretty close to each other. So yeah, the weeks are definitely like work, 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 work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, much love for both of you. Um, much love for our fans. But my second shout out, as always, Ishtar Collective. Um, and the writers at Bungie. Great. Like, like getting kudos serious, to them. dude. The new stuff. Well, like, I'm, I'm going through some of the new stuff and I'm reading it and, like, oh my God. I, I, like, th- there were a few entries that it literally just broke my brain. I, <laughs> I, sat there for an hour trying to piece things together and I was like wait but no if that means that then when they said this <laughs> they, what no but your apartment's like do turning I, into that, I... uh, that sunny in Philadelphia scene exactly. again <laughs> exactly do I have to go back and read every lore entry ever <laughs> oh like I, I at this point I have to I have to go back and reread everything reread. Well, yeah once you have knowledge man of something it changes your outlook on things so much oh man like <laughs> if Bungie was like if the writers had this planned all along <laughs> some serious kudos for it because like they played the long game on some of these lore books. <laughs> it's like when you're and in season six or something, would... and then like the bad guy turns around, and you're like, oh, "No!" <laughs> right? Or I would say if they didn't, because I know their writing team has changed. They've had a consistent one now, but uh, like props are putting it all together. And I know they've kept right. some of the same. I know John Goff has been there for a while writing some of our favorite lore books. So, yeah, oh, yeah. him. He's awesome. But I think he might have actually been the one who wrote, wrote Maricena. He wrote Dwindler's Ridge and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Good writers, man. Oh, yeah. Well, well if that concludes your shout-outs, Ellen. Yeah, that, that's the end of mine. Okay. Well, mine are actually just kind of the continuations of your guys. I wanted to shout-out Elemist also, specifically for being so awesome and being a genuine person, not just helping with the podcast, but also when my wife was concussed and passing out. So thank you very much for that. As we said at the beginning of the episode, we're really, really liking seeing these reviews and more importantly, the comments. And yeah, the, the Bungie writers for making a great, a great game. You know, I haven't honestly been as invested in some of the playing of the game, which is new for me. Um, I also have always played Destiny solely, basically, the only game I play. Uh, but as I've pushed over to a, a PvP-style play more, uh, there's not as much new stuff in that regard uh, for, for, for Destiny. So I will say that uh, I, very guiltily, you know, I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends. <laughs> but um, I definitely have been enjoying the content that has come out. So I'm looking, and I'm totally looking forward to, like, the Thorn Quest. And um, so while I might not be the biggest fan of Gambit for this expansion, I am enjoying Gambit Prime. Most importantly, the story that they are incorporating, not just into our lore books, 
But into the game, we're actually going to get missions where we have to choose sides. Like, I'm going to be playing those hard. So, while I didn't get as involved in the first week, uh, the second week of this expansion, I'm going to be playing really hard. So, uh, thank you, Bungie, for really incorporating the lore into the game. And it's getting so many more people interested, which is why I think the need for, like, a podcast like ours is actually, people are saying, is is a real thing. So... We didn't know that at the time, but thank you, Bungie, for yeah, making like us an avenue well. to, to exist. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of all for me. Yeah. It, was, it was actually kind of funny because last night I ended up playing with um, somebody on my friends list who I hadn't played in a while. And like I don't remember when I added them or when they added me or whatever, but decided, you know what, Let yeah, let's do it. Well, we ended up in a party with two other people, and we were doing some of the new content. And uh, this one guy was just rattling off lore, but like it was what he thought about the lore. And I was like, no, 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 no. let me school you. <laughs> so, like, There's always the best opportunities when somebody thinks that there's not a lot, or they they only have little pieces, and you're like, hold up, you were. Very- let me share our URL. <laughs> well, like, it was great because this this one guy thought that the Drifter was going to be assassinated because we're going to have to pick between the Vanguard and the Drifter. And at the very end of it, you know, he, he's going to be dead. And, you know, Aldrin is going to be the Vanguard mentor now for the Hunters. And and, and I'm sitting there going, the stuff okay. he's read on Twitter. Right. <laughs> right. The conspiracy theory kind of stuff, yeah. It's like making a, a conspiracy theory without having any of the facts. <laughs> so, like, I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. This wouldn't happen because of this. This wouldn't happen because of this. This wouldn't happen because of this. Everybody in the party just got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody expected. Everyone well, I know else, when I'm in a party. You just broke everyone else's brain. <laughs> I know when I'm in a party with friends, they're always like, Ivan, is that right? Or Ivan, what is what is this? Anytime like we're playing, like we're doing a raid or we're doing an activity and they ask for like <laughs> somebody shows the slightest interest in the backstory, and I'm just like, Oh, I could I could go down a rabbit hole, but here's a quick overview of what we're doing and why we're doing not it. Just, I'm sorry, not just in a party, in the car, <laughs> like in our life. <laughs> like, well, wait, you should so you sh- Did it happen well, like anyone this? who shows interest, okay? <laughs> I love it because it, it's it's always like I I can't speak with Hi, for Hyven, but I know for myself it's like whenever somebody shows a little bit of interest, it's like boom, shotgun blast. This is what's going to happen. Oh, like, let me hone in on this. I'm having like, trouble controlling thank you for coming to my TED talk. this book, so yeah. like that's why I'm trying to hold back and like and then the new expansion with like the the bounties from the nine that i'm like thinking of so hard and like uh, oh yes and then now the stuff that i know from the uh, every rose has a thorn and then uh i haven't read all of that so my brain is hurting with lore cause, oh my god but okay. i'm so excited well, before to you so we should get this thing too far Let's oh, wrap this up. <laughs> you guys can continue after we're done with the recording because they will go on forever. And I'm the host, so I get to shut it down. Uh, no, but just one last reminder, feedback for us, guys. We went over it earlier at the beginning. But again, just let us know what you want us to cover after the Marisana. There's a lot of new info out there. 
we're really excited to go through it all, obviously. But, you know, if there's something you'd prefer to go first, just let us know. Because otherwise, we're just going to start picking at random or picking stuff that we want to talk about. Yeah. Also, next week, bear with us. Hyvin and I will be getting our new puppy this Wednesday. So our next recording will potentially have a puppy in the background. (laughs) Hopefully she gets tired out pretty easy since she'll be so little. But just a heads up, it's not just Little Miss Callie anymore. We'll also have Little Miss Kona. So <laughs> we'll see how many little chime-ins we get from them. If our episode drops a little late, you know now why. Because I don't expect Elemis to force himself to uh, edit everything and splice together. So if we're not up on Tuesday, you know why. Yeah, I'll probably even post something our, on Twitter uh, about it so everyone knows. But, that, but yeah. thank you for but bearing with us, our, everyone. That is not some new time. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for bearing with us, everyone. Again, I'm feeling much better now, slowly but surely getting there. I just still have all of my screens on night shift mode and, and everything. But um, note to self, don't go after a puppy toy when your mother-in-law is too, because she apparently has, like, steel in her in her forehead. <laughs> So you're not going to be using your forehead to crack open wood planks or anything, right? Not anytime soon, at least. I might, (laughs) you know, I might give it like a week. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, like I said, my mother-in-law's got a forehead of steel. If I need that, I can just ask her. Right. (laughs) All right. We just got a note that Hyven's losing connection. So I don't know if that's messing with our recording. Um, so we're going to wrap this up again. You guys are great and bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. We'll work on it. <laughs> goodbye all. Bye. If you can hear me, I think I heard the <laughs> do, do, do. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. You came through.